This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's morning show, Now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. You've surely noticed there are many meat alternatives out there. And I'm not just talking about plant-based kind of stuff. There's all sorts of meat alternatives out there that are made in a lab. So joining us now to tell you more about the environmental impact that can occur when you're consuming some of these meat alternatives is Lawrence Gunther, the host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, which you can find Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Hey, good morning, Lawrence. Hi, Dave. So, Lawrence, let's give a little bit of context here because you came across some analysis from the NGO Sierra Club, and they did a comparison of the greenhouse gas emissions and land and water footprints of some different burger choices. So walk us through some of these findings. Are plant-based burgers more sustainable and should we be switching away from beef? Well, they're sold like that, right? That's what we're told, you know, plant-based. We always think of the original plant-based patties that were around 10, 20 years ago, you know, full of beans and rice and chopped up nuts and frankly, not that yummy tasting, right? But these new ones, Dave, these new ones taste, you. if someone didn't tell you it was a, a, an all sort of plant-based patty and hand it to a burger all dressed up the way you wanted to, you might not even notice it. it's not beef. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're that good. They're that yummy. Yeah, some of them even uh, have like simulated uh, like blood to make you feel oh, like yeah. you're really tearing into a into a medium <laughs> rare burger on the way. So Lawrence, so let, let's back up for a second here. People oftentimes talk about the environmental impact of farming beef. What does mm. that impact look like? It looks like a lot of, uh, you know, CO2 emissions, right? You know, if we talk about the United States, like the Sierra Club has made, they released this report for the United States. They're talking about Americans eating 50 billion, with a B, burgers a year. So, you know, we're one-tenth the size. So maybe we eat 5 billion burgers a year. That's a lot of burgers, right? Mm -hmm. In the United States, they say that accounts for about 3.7% of their CO2 equivalent uh, output every year, 3.7% of the, of the CO2 gas going into the atmosphere, causing climate change. And they say it's equivalent because most of it is methane. When you're talking about beef, Dave, it's methane, right? And, and, uh, you know, cows eat grass, they digest, they, uh, expel things. And methane is, has a 10 times higher sort of climate change sort of impact than CO2 gas does. It only sticks around for about 10 years, but still that's a, that's a huge amount of, uh, uh, you know, 3.7% is it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's come back to these alternatives. What does hmm. the analysis suggest in regards to the environmental impact of these alternatives? Well, you're plant you're planting a lot of products into the ground, so you're still having to plant the, the 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 peas or you know whatever it is you're using to make your alternative beef patties, your plant-based beef patties. So there's there's the gas to fuel the tractors to to do the planting. There's the the fuel to you know to for the harvesting, and then there's the processing because this is not made in your kitchen. These are made in large industrial type settings. The process is quite intensive. Like a, if I look at the uh, the Beyond Burger, Dave, 
pea protein is one thing. That's a big, big one, right? The yellow peas. That's the majority of the Beyond Burger. Coconut oil. So where do you get your coconut oil? You have to bring that into the, the factory, and that's not grown in Canada. Potato starch. Well, you bring that in from wherever you're growing that. And beet juice, right? So you have to have these four different products brought together into a factory to produce the uh, the Beyond Beef. The, um, the Impossible Burger... It, it uses heme from soybean, but that heme is fused with a, a genetically engineered sort of um, a yeast monoculture. Like, what's a yeast monoculture? <laughs> and it, to form that yeast monoculture, you're talking a, an heavy-duty industrial process to, that's, using, that's using actual fuel, right? It's using sort of oil to make that process happen. So there's a lot of things going on here. And then there's the whole health impacts. You know, this, this is a highly processed food, like a potato chip. It's highly processed food. There's a lot of salt in there. There's a lot of calories in there. So if you think you're going to, you know, it's better, it's healthier for you in terms of your, your, your blood pressure, your calories, your weight, you're fooling yourself. If you're eating these burgers thinking you're doing a healthy alternative, you are making a better contribution to the planet overall in terms of the average burger versus the average plant-based burger. Yeah, it's better for the planet. Is it better for you as a, a, from a health perspective? Probably not. So Lawrence, I want to pick up on your second to last point there. In the aggregate, because you mentioned a lot of stuff there in regards to the, the actual agricultural processes here, the lab mm. processes, the production here. In the aggregate, though, these meatless alternatives are still, as promised, to be better for the environment. If you compare it to sort of some of the cattle uh, raising processes that happen where you have a bunch of cattle in a, in a barn and they're being fed a lot of um, high-energy food to grow fast. But if you look at the way cattle are grown in Canada, you know, most cattle is free-range. You know, it's just roaming around on the grass. And, um, and, and when they eat grass, they're eating grass, they're pooping out stuff that goes back into the ground. They're actually sequestering carbon back into the soil. Like that whole process, that whole, you know, cycle of life, right, is sequestering carbon back into the soil. So it's, it's, it's almost a zero sort of sum gain process, except for the methane gas. But from a carbon sequestration process, it's, it's pretty it's pretty inane, innocuous. So it's it's not a bad process for sure. But that's Canada. If you look at Brazil, it's all free range grass fed cattle as well. But they burn down you know rainforests to make those yeah. pastures. Yeah, so the, de it's, the it's, deforestation definitely matters. Yeah, and all this all the smoke that goes into the atmosphere and all this carbon that's released when you burn down these trees that's a big negative thing, and that, that's going to take centuries to overcome that big you know, burst of CO2 in the atmosphere. So, and, and even if the cattle in Canada, you know, in the end spent a couple of weeks in a, in a pen being fattened up with corn and grains and things like that to give it that marbly, juicy flavor. Because if you think about cattle on the, on the range, they're roaming around all the time. They're lean, mean, grass-eating machines. They're not fat, right? They're not fat. They're, it's just pure muscle. Mm -hmm. So you got to get them in. You got to fatten them up a little bit because... Eating just pure uh, beef with no fat, it doesn't have a lot of flavor. In fact, it tastes a little bit gamey. It tastes wild. 
And, and a lot of people aren't used to that wild game grass-fed taste. So you need to fatten them up a little bit to give them that sort of more neutral, bland, yummy flavor that we've come to expect in our, in our beef. So, Lawrence, let's wrap up here on a little bit of a, a mm. personal question or personal thought. I don't eat a ton of red meat. I don't really care if I'm eating a meatless alternative or a meat burger. It's, it's all kind of the same to me as long as there's mayonnaise and pickles in the mix. Um, what about you? Do you, uh, do you end up making some choices here based on the, ag- the aggregate environmental impact? I do, Dave. And like, I, I, you know, I have a nice grill on my backyard. I, you know, I love to cook outside. I have all the tools and, you know, things to do that, but I, I don't cook a lot of red meat. I I haven't for a number of years now for health purposes. And because of ecological purposes, I think there's better choices you can make in terms of what you eat. We should all be eating more plant-based foods, you know, and, and not highly processed ones like these beef alternative burgers necessarily because they're not better for us. So yeah, just buy vegetables. It's more expensive. Buy other meat processes. Eat more fish, Dave. That's, mm. the, that's the key. That's the best fat for you. And if you can get sustainably raised or caught fish, wild or not, but sustainable, it, it's much better for your diet. So if you could eat fish once or twice a week, red meat once a week, not like we used to when we were kids growing eating up. Eating steak you know, every day. Eating, eating, yeah, like, uh, eating pot roast and McDonald's every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing we got to get away from. Yeah, you got to follow the Lawrence Gunther method, which is catch your own fish. Then you're really then you're really getting somewhere. <laughs> then you're really moving in the right direction. Actually, Lawrence, oh, yeah. not 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 to produce the show in real time on air, but there was some very encouraging data coming out about uh, salmon stocks in BC last week. So maybe uh, down the yeah. road we should take a closer look at some of that data. You're on, I'm on it, buddy. Love it, love it. Hey, what's coming up on uh, the next episode of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther? Well, you know, speaking of catching salmon, I've got a live uh, right now. If you listen to the uh, program, you can. I'm out on Lake Ontario with some uh, charter folks, uh, uh, Debbie and Jean, uh, charter captains, and uh, we're catching salmon on Lake Ontario. And I'm right on to eat. Yeah. So uh, that, and then we we look at that whole Lake Ontario thing, and 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 then Lily takes us out to Snake Island, which is one of the islands at the uh, east end of Lake Ontario. It's, they're called the ducks, but they're fully inhabited by snakes. Ah, so, lovely. Yeah. Okay, well, you and enjoy. Then, and then next week, next week we got, I talked to Bruce Cook. He's got that TV show by Hook or by uh Yeah, by Cook. Hook or by Cook, yep. So I thought it was about fishing, but no, I'm kidding. I, I knew he's not about fishing. <laughs> he is an outdoors <laughs> adventurer, though, so he's your kind of guy. He's, he's a Lawrence he, Gunther kind of guy. Season two, he, he, he spent the whole season uh, renovating a lodge in the outdoors to make it more accessible. And I yeah. said, well, what's that all about, man? So we, we got into that. Yeah, really. So that's coming up. Really enjoyed the second season of that show. It was a really great concept. I love it when there's sort of a, a, a connecting thread, connecting tissue that sort of speaks to a project for the whole season round. It was really, really cool. Hey, Lawrence, always fun catching up. Thank you for bringing us these topics, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. We'll talk more salmon, Dave. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.